0: Welcome, my name is Matt and I'm here with Andrew. Today we're going to be talking about The Mummy and The Mummy Returns with Brendan Fraser's most iconic role as Rick O'Connell and Rachel Wise breaks out. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. He's very tragic in the sense that, you know... He has a second chance now to make everything right, but he can't make everything right in 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 his second chance. His his look is very like steampunk. Yeah, in the show. It's yeah, and he wears cool. a leather jacket and uh, di- uh, what are the uh, the boots? Uh, not Dicky boots. Doc Martens. Doc Martens. <laughs> Get all <old> Docs. <laughs> yeah, but he he. I mean, it's just the '80s kind of rocker. But he wasn't. He was the '80s more like the '80s uh, Miami Vice type. Mm, okay. You know. But, I mean, very redneckish, And, and all that's stuff. left is his brain. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into this. Uh, today we're going to be talking about The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Um, I I have intentions of talking more about The Mummy <laughs> than The Mummy well, Returns. It, it's, it's, it's... I'm going to say this outright. Because I was a fan of both of these movies. And before yeah. we watched this, I was like, I know a lot of people don't like Mummy Returns. I love Mummy Returns. I watched it again this time. This is a top 10 film for me. Didn't hold up as well, The Returns. Oh, okay. Uh, Mummy, yeah. Mummy, still as great as ever. Yeah. Are you talking about Returns was a top 10 no, film? No, or? no, 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 Okay. No. Part one. Yeah, so Returns, That's it, it was it was a little rough, and we'll get into why. Uh, but real quick, uh, let's just start off with The Mummy. Uh, Mummy came out in 1999. It was directed uh, by Stephen Summers. It was also written by uh, uh, by Stephen Summers and Lloyd Fonvielle. Lloyd von Vielle. Those are the 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 screenwriters. You get a real good writers. feeling. You're not saying it right. I am. Shut your face. Um, but yeah, those are the screen stories. And then, of course, Sommers. Uh, I always have to make it feel like I have to like overemphasize the O in his name. So Somers. You don't think we're saying Sommers. Sommers. Um, so he uh, wrote it, but it's also based off of the 1932 screenplay uh, written by John L. Balderston. Um You're probably not saying that one right I am either. actually. I had to get that one right for but that, that one had Boris Karloff in it. And you know, yeah. he he played a bunch oh, yeah. of these uh movie monsters. It's classic. Classic. I mean he he's the movie monster actor. Yeah. You know? He played Frankenstein and uh I don't think he played Dracula. Uh Christopher Lee played Dracula. But you know, it's it's he, he plays these, these, these monster roles and everything and he did a really good job. But the story is a lot different. Did, have you looked into the, or do you know the story of the 1932 The Mummy, the bo- no. uh, the Karloff one? Okay, so it has to do with Imhotep, and it has to do with Anax and the Moon. But those are the only two characters who um, who like are the same characters that they are in this movie. Now the difference is in that movie, once Imhotep's resurrected, it has there's a time jump of five years later, and Imhotep's is actually uh, taken on five years later <laughs> five years later just like just like after the snap but he's actually um, <clears throat> he's undercover as like a normal human person yeah um, and he's he's taken the name Ardeath Bay in uh, as his human name or whatever, so you know he doesn't have to go by Imhotep. But his name is Ardeth Bay. Now I kind of feel like he would—he could still get away with saying Imhotep, maybe. You know, no, and nowadays, well, really do you know who Ardeth Bay is in these this new movie, the Brendan Fraser uh-huh. mummy? Um, it's the uh, Oded Fair. Uh, the guy who plays the the the, the Magi, the yeah. leader of the Magi, yeah. who you know becomes friends with uh, the protagonist. He's okay. the 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 main big uh, uh, gigolo from Deuce Bigelow. Yeah, that Rob Schneider had to take over for and yeah. everything. Yeah, so that dude uh, he was named Arth Bay, but in the original movies, uh, uh Imotep took on that name and um, convinced a bunch of people to go dig up an a moon, but then meets this girl who looks almost exactly like a Nox in the Moon, and he thinks that she's maybe a reincarnation, and so he's going to mummify her and then resurrect her, and she'll be his long-lost love. Yeah. So it's not really the same as this. It has some of the same elements, like Evelyn's name is different in the Boris Karloff one or whatever. But um, anyways, this this movie stars uh, Brendan Fraser as Rick O'Connell, uh, Rachel Wise as Evelyn Carnahan, uh, John Hanna as Jonathan Carnahan, it also, uh, it also stars Arnold Vosloo, Kevin J. O'Connor, Jonathan Hyde, Dead Fair, uh, Eric Avari, who we uh, got to see, what, two weeks ago when we did our Mr. Deeds, mm-hmm. um, and then among many other actors uh, that are in this movie, um, Arnold Vosloo, he plays the emotep this time. Uh, how do you think he compared, well, you you haven't seen the original, well, have you? I've seen it here and there, that kind of thing, I mean... Um, Obviously, this portrayal isn't going to be as um, iconic as Karloff's. Well, no, Because but CGI. For people born in the 80s and up, yeah, I think it will, because most people don't even know who Boris Karloff is and doesn't even recognize what he would be in or who he is or anything, you know? Right. So, like, in this movie... When it's when he's the mummy, it's all CGI. Yeah. So there's no acting required. Yeah. Whereas in the older movie, he had to, first, to, you know, makeup artists were, did a great job on him and everything, but he had to actually portray the mummy. And yeah. so, you know, there was a lot more acting required there to get the movements down and different things. Because once Emotep in this one gets all his body back and everything, he's kind of just, you know... He's that that actor, you know, and and you know, there's no menace really, other than the fact that uh, Arnold Vosloo usually plays, uh, you know, bad I, guys. I, I beg to differ on that. I mean, just the way that the the, uh, I think the mummy moved like him. You know, I mean, it, it just kind of felt like. It did a lot of the type of movements, like maybe he was in a green suit or something for this, and he actually was. He was. Okay, well, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. I mean, it, that still took some acting to do, you know. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I, I like, like, What I mean, I guess, I, is, you know, everything was done in Bar- Boris Karloff off of his performance, whereas yeah. a lot of the mummy stuff here was done off of, you know, 90s CGI that was still trying to find its footing. Yeah, but I thought it was real. What what they did with it, they didn't over. In this movie, in the first one, they didn't overdo it. I think I felt like the CG CGI wasn't overdone. Where in the second one, it was way overdone. No, and you watch it nowadays, and you're obviously gonna be like, "Uh, that CGI is yeah. off." But I think that people have watched it so many times, you know, they they, but, they can still accept it. Right, right, and I think it it becomes more acceptable when the movie is set. And you had mentioned this, but, you know, it feels like it's a 1930s movie. You know what I mean? And so, like, the CGI kind of seemed like it maybe it kind of tricked you by by filming it the way that it did. Not the CGI, but the actual live-action stuff where they filmed that and then the, you know, what they were wearing. And then the, the the like, lights and, you know, sounds and things like that. I, I felt like it made it work a lot better for for a movie of its time, for the CGI quality of its time. I felt like it, they did a really good job about trying to mask it in a way. Yeah. Um, what uh, what is your favorite Brendan Fraser role? This one, mine too. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's just because you know this is was kind of like. His reboot, you know what I mean, like coming out of the eighties and nineties and stuff like that. You know, I mean, I know this is in the nineties still. You know, ninety nine, but yeah, but it's getting past you know Encino Man, yeah, and uh, all like the with honors, yeah, you know, the prep school type yeah. guy. Where now he's more grown up role, and, and he kind of kind of fell off there a little bit. You know, he's kind of one of those actors that tend to tend to go up for a while, then come down, then go up. I think for he a while, then fell then off. Down. After this, like, well, yeah, no, I think no, he that's what I'm saying. Kinda, yeah, yeah. What, like, what I'm saying before this movie fell off, and then this movie aired, so he was up on on the high peak until the after the second one, and then he kind of fell off again. Yeah, I know? feel like he was like just kind of gradually going along. I mean, he had the uh, what was the prep school movie with honors? No, the other one. <laughs> uh, was no, not. Um, it was the one basketball diaries <laughs> no it was the one with ben affleck yeah I know and you're chris pine or chris chris uh, O'Donnell. robin robin chris o'donnell yeah robin. yeah yeah we talked about it I, I, I i'll come back to it or whatever but <laughs> um but yeah you know so he he was doing those and then he did encino man and which is probably like one of my real close you know second favorites or whatever um but it was uh, School Ties Was the one yeah. That I was trying to think of And that was actually After Encino Man Okay um, But you know You had uh, You had uh, he, he did a little cameo On Son-in-Law Obviously he was in uh, With Honors He did Airheads And mo- Monkey Brain Don't forget Monkey brain. The Monkey Bone You mean Bones And that was well after bone. Yeah But you know uh, 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 Airheads brain. We we just talked about Airheads What was it yesterday, Last week Or the yeah. day, week before Because uh, Adam I Sandler think it was last week I think we've t- touched on it Last week Two episodes actually, and he he would always do little cameos for Polly Shore too, because you know they did Encino Man together, and then he did a little a little um, uh, cameo as Link and son-in-law, uh, and he was Link again as uh, in the army now, and Link was his character from um, from Encino Man, yeah, uh, as in uh, what is it called? What did I say? The the Link uh, Link in Time or Link? Y- no, the Missing Link. Missing Link. That's what it's called. So, anyways, um, so we did a bunch of those ones, uh, you know, kids in the hall now and then, some small ones, and then we had George of the Jungle, which was awesome, nineteen, yeah. and that came out in nineteen ninety seven, um, and that's one of that's a good one because it has Leslie kids. Mann yeah. and she's hilarious and awesome in it. It has uh, George and it's real cheesy and stuff, but it's a fun movie to watch. Um, and then we had the Mummy, and then afterwards we had Dudley Do Right. You know, but uh, Monkey Bone. We did have like Bedazzled, which I liked. Uh, Blast from the past. I did like that one. Um, but you know, Mon- Mummy Returns wasn't that good. Monkey Bone. Dudley Do Right. Looney Tunes back in action. Um, you know, so so a bunch of these. You know, the 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 Tomb of the Dragon Emperor and, and all those. So yeah. Um, you know, he's just had some some bad choices in some of his roles. So that along with some other tragic stuff that we don't need to get into cuz we've talked about earlier on on our um With Honors episode. Yeah. Um but you know he he's been through a lot. Um mm-hmm. his and his role in, in Crash is oh, the that's one phenomenal. Yeah, but it's the one role where he's not Brendan Fraser. He's yeah. completely serious throughout the whole thing. His name is Rick by the way in yeah. that in that role too. Um just like it is in this movie, but he uh, very serious, no, no, out, you know, you know, uh, energetic, outlandish type of yeah. performance from there. well. And the problem with, with Brandon Frazier is though, he seems like he's always in pain in a way, you know what I mean? Like a lot of his looks and his normal, everyday-to-day, you know, type looks that he gives the camera, it kind of almost seems like he's in pain. I mean, you look at these pictures, like look, look at the picture that they have on, yeah, he does, he does good, kind of looks being like he's in up. pain, yeah, yeah, like, like. Like he's just upset about something, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's 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 he's just. But I mean, he's a phenomenal actor. He really is. He's a really good actor when he gets the right parts. You know what I mean? And, and I know that's kind of hypocritical of itself in a way because you know you're an actor. You're there to make the part great. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not, you're not waiting for a great part just to act in it. You know. I guess you could say. And you know, he he just gets. Whoever was making the decisions just were not making the right decisions for him, I think, you know, throughout his career. But, you know, with this movie, it was spot on for he him. He almost had a, a comeback, too, with The uh, uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Yeah. Um, he Also, another movie that him and Arnold Vosloo were in together. Do you remember which movie they were in together no. after this? Oh. Uh, it's from a, it's a movie that was made well after our childhood, but it was adapted from a cartoon from our childhood. G. I. Joe. Ah, oh, that's Yeah, I forget that he's in this movie. Yeah, he in it, that movie. He's a, it's a real short one, but he plays a soldier who's training people inside the G. I. Joe headquarters yeah. when Snake Eyes is being trained and all or Snake Eyes is like kicking everybody's butt. Yeah. But then the Arnold Voslo character, you know he mimics. True to tight. Yeah. He's a bad guy again. And uh and I was gonna say that he plays bad guys very, very well. He scowls of- very well. And, and and it's not and he played in um what is that TV show? 24. He played in 24. Yeah, Hubby that's Marwan. right. Yeah. And one of the best, I think one of the best villains, one of the best um, plots. But what I'm saying is like, he plays the villain so well to the point where you don't hate hate him as a villain. It's kind of like uh, with uh, Voldemort. You know what I mean? You like when he chews the scenery and all yeah. that kind of like stuff. Yeah, like Voldemort, he's 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 a bad guy. He does really, really bad things, but you know, you like him as a villain. You just like... As... You know... <laughs> I think we were talking about this before. Like Zangief and uh, Wreck-It Ralph. Again. Yeah. Just because we are bad guys doesn't mean we are bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> but but he, he he's... You know... He plays... Arnold Voslo, he plays the villain just so, so well. Yeah. No matter what villain he's portraying or whatever, it's just, it's believable as a villain. You know, he's one of those kind of probably actors that are typecast in villain roles. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, he, he's not really in a, one of those star actors, you know, the, one of the actors that, you know, he's famous for. You know, because I mean, he's really famous for this movie. Well, yeah, and maybe. he's he's got a great scowl. He's got a yeah. great evil smile and all that. So I mean, he he's he's you know I don't know if it's because of the way his eyebrows arch yeah. downwards or whatever, but he he plays a very good uh, bad guy who likes to chew the scenery and, yeah. and, and 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 usually plays some kind of man of confidence. Yeah, and he he just like with the rest of this cast, it just seems like this was great casting and. That, you know, this this whole crew was just a great fit together. You know what I mean? I mean, just they played off each other very, very well. Very believable. Well, let me ask you then about who I think is the pro- main protagonist of this movie, and that's Evie. Yeah. I think that Evie is the main protagonist. I think, you know, you have Rick, but he is really you know just fighting people this movie she's the one doing all the things and who we as an audience see the movie through remember i was the, the that experience yesterday. one and all that yeah. where do you remember i was saying this is this is her empowerment movie where the next one is more of his empowerment his empowerment right? all that kind of stuff yeah but um i'd even say that she's the main she was meant to be the main character the protagonist of all of these movies um and well, if you think about it, in the second one, she didn't really have a main... I mean, yeah, okay, she was the princess or whatever. Right. And, Nefertiti. And, but it was just kind of like a little side story that she had with the princess. Among, or With, with Noxunamun. N- 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 yeah. Kind of just their, their own little side story over there that you where they the, yeah, fought the each other. The side story that's in that movie. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my biggest complaints about Mummy Returns is there's just too much going on in it. Yeah. There's so much going it, it, on in it. It's in like there. they're like, we're not probably going to get a third chance. At this and we gotta to for throw chance. everything all so our ideas, got, yeah. whatever you have to say for the third one, throw it in this one too, because we're gonna throw it all in here. But I digress. I mean we, we also know that it was probably a big setup for because they wanted to split off for the Scorpion King. And Scorpion thought, King, but maybe they had plans back then to do crossovers with the dark the you know, like that they're, they're trying to yeah. do what they tried to do a few years ago that died oh, out man. the dark universe or whatever. Yeah, that was a bad idea. They should have just they should have added on to this movie. You know what I mean? So E V. Rachel, and we got to say this right. Rachel Vice. Yeah. Um, what do you think of Rachel Vice? Oh man, this was her breakout role. I mean, obviously, yeah, she'd done little theater stuff here and there. Same thing with Arnold Vosloo, but um, this was her, her breakout role. Sorry, didn't mean to scare you.
1: Anything that scares me, Mister O'Connell, your manners. Still angry about that kiss, huh? Oh, if you call that a kiss. Um, did I... miss something? Are we... are we going into battle? Lady, there's something out there. Something underneath that sand. Yes, well, I'm hoping to find a certain artifact. A book, actually. My brother thinks there's treasure. What do you think's out there? A word? evil. The Bedouin and the Tuaregs believe the Hamanoptera is cursed. Oh, look, I don't believe in, in fairy tales and hokum, Mr. O'Connell, but I, I do believe that one of the most famous books in history is buried out there, the Book of Amun-Ra. It contains within it all the secret incantations of the Old Kingdom. It's what first interested me in Egypt when I was a child. It, it's why I came here, sort of a, a life's pursuit. And the fact that they say that it's made out of pure gold makes no never mind to you. You know your history. I know my treasure. Um, by the way, why did you kiss me? (laughs) No, I was about to be hanged. It seemed like a good idea at the time. What? What'd I say?
0: I've always liked Rachel White. Vice. There you go. I've always liked her. Everything she's done, I don't think I've seen her in a movie that I didn't like her in. Like that one, uh, Definitely Maybe, I think it was. Oh, I was going to mention that. I don't know if you remember yeah. that, but yeah, she was in that. She was. She played that role so well. I mean, and and what was the one about the Tree of Life with... The Tree of Life? Is it the Tree of Life? With Brad Pitt and Sean? No, the one with uh, Hugh Jackman, where he transcends throughout whatever. Ugh. Um, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. That's probably a movie that I never saw. Uh, it wasn't the Tree of Life, was it? No, I don't think so. Who no. did it have in it? It had Hugh Jackman and Rachel Weisz in it, and uh, she kept on like dying, and so like he was almost like kept a- reincarnating himself or something until he could find a way to stop her from dying. Was it The Constant Gardener? No, no. Um. I know I had Hugh Jackman. He was bald and like he he transcended. He went up to space into a tree. Oh, or, the fountain. The fountain. That's the it. fountain. That's yeah, it. I do remember hearing about that and I just I uh, No, she played a good role in that though. She did. I'll have to watch it sometime. Yeah. I I've I've never Hugh seen Hugh Jackman it. did a good job in that. Film I heard too. a lot of I heard some bad things about it though. It was nominated well, for Golden Globes. Yeah. Uh but I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's uh, definitely maybe she was in that. She wasn't my favorite part of that movie but I remember her in that movie. Um, Enemy at the Gates was a big one. Oh man, that was such a good film. With it was her a great movie. She, she played such a great role in that one. Yeah, and at the gates, uh, I thought the the uh, runaway, uh, was it jury? Runaway Jury was, Yep, uh, that's, you know, that's a good John Cusack movie, I think, I don't know. Gene a, Hackman, one of the last times we see Gene Hackman. Yeah and, yeah, and her her partnership with John Cusack in that movie is, is really good, too. Phenomenal. Um, she was also part of Aragon. I seem you remember? Phenomenal a lot. Tell me to stop, okay? All right. The Phenom. Phenom. That's the Undertaker. Yeah. Uh, Constantine. Yeah. She was in that. Oh, I know yes. you're a big fan of Constantine yes. and everything. Um, uh, remember Aragon? Yeah. The, yeah. More yeah, based the voice, off the book with I just the dragon and stuff. I just watched it. Did you? Yeah, with the family. They need to, because that book was actually really good. Yeah. And the, the and movie I was terrible. I heard that, terrible. too. I heard that. But, they, you know, just like the, what they did with my Dragon Ball Z, man. Ugh. Yeah, but they need to do like a Showtime or HBO t- or Game Avatar. of Thrones type of thing with Aragon and do it right. Yeah, but see, they could do a Dragon uh uh not Game of Thrones necessarily, but the same thing with Avatar and with Dragon Ball Z. I mean, they could really those films too. It's, I I feel like a lot of we should do an episode of uh, of all films Hollywood has messed up on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like like literally like they could have just changed one little thing and made the movie that much greater because you know. And this is just not being me, me being a fanboy on some of these films. Not being a fanboy, yeah. But but it's it's the fact that. I'm I'm not alone on this. Even diehard fanboys, even people that don't even know what it is, was like you know these movies were garbage. So we we should do an episode over that. Yeah, let's do that. She was in uh, Deep Blue Sea with Tom Hiddleston. Yep. Um, uh, the Lobster, that crazy movie, um, and then Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah. She she I thought she was pretty tragic in that because you and here we go spoilers again if you haven't seen it. But you think that she's gonna be the evil witch right mm-hmm. the wicked witch because she, you know she spends the whole movie becoming the yeah. or being the evil person and everything and it's not until the end till Mia Kunis turns into into then you're like, oh, okay but she was very tragic because she was always trying to get that power and she never got that power at the end and I thought she played that really well I've actually never seen I mean, it to be honest with you well crap <laughs> <laughs> but hey I just want to let you go you know hey we're, we're all about no. well you know, when sp- I said spoilers, spoilers about Oz the Great and Powerful you should have then at that point said I haven't seen it <laughs> I'll still watch it I'll probably forget it by that at that point but yeah okay well now that I've said it I mean they do a fake out where she's yeah. the evil one and Mia Kunis is the nice one and mm-hmm. I think they're sisters or something and she becomes Mia Kunis becomes friends with you know what's this? Yeah. James Franco who plays Oz and everything and then you know she's eventually like betrayed and she goes crazy i have I seen this movie I don't know but it's weird. I thought it was pretty good some people didn't like it but whatever yeah. uh, anyways uh, we could start you know we could stop harping on that uh, but this also has Eric Avari who we talked about in our Mr. Deeds episode um, very classic. He's so actor. young in this compared to comparatively, yeah, to, to where he's at in *Mr. Deeds*. Even you know, yeah. I mean, this was well. This is only a couple of years before, I think. So, but maybe, so maybe they just made him look young for this movie. Maybe, maybe, maybe he was. So, anyways, um, well, this movie um, it starts off with the uh, backstory. It has um, uh, Imhotep, who's <laughs> this is kind of pointless here, but. Imhotep is sleeping with the pharaoh's mistress. Yeah. <laughs> so his side chick is also Imhotep's side chick. Yeah. Uh, or main chick. I don't know. So he's 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 has this relationship with her, um, and then. Um, Wait, this, this is his uncle's brother's best friend. No, sister. no, it's it, it's their. Oh, what is it? Seti the first is the yeah, pharaoh. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's Seti the first mistress who um, Imhotep, the high priest, is is also sleeping with. <laughs> Are you flipping? So, me so, anyways, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so the uh, anyways, they're they're like making out, and for so I guess she has paint on her to make sure that she's yeah. not touched. I don't know why they're not more careful about that. Obviously, this priest is an idiot, and uh, she's an idiot. E- either that, or he's just that powerful, and he he's just pretty much. Which which you hear about this throughout history, and this is not just with the Egyptians, but this is with uh, Christians and and a lot of different uh, cultures back in that time, where you know the emperor or the king did not really run the country. It was usually the the pope or you know the high priestess. Well, that and was like big, that. That was a big. Uh, story point in the uh, Three Musketeers story. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had the cardinal who was behind uh-huh. everything. And and, and that's that kind that's kind of kinda how I felt. That's why I felt like, you know, him, you know, brushing. Uh, at first, yeah, he was obviously surprised. You know, he, he didn't expect uh, the pharaoh, which I've got to think for that, by the way. But uh, he, he, I don't think he really cared. I don't think he had any fear of the pharaoh at all. Well, he didn't look like he did. No. But, you know, they knew they had to hide it because the magi, the, uh, the pharaoh's bodyguards yeah. were around. And the Magi, you know, are instructed. They're not, you know, mysterious. I mean, they're mysterious, but they're not, you know, um, magical or whatever you want to say, you know. And so, but there's just so many of them and they're so loyal to the Pharaoh that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. They're going to go after you no matter what, you know what I mean? And and so I, I feel like. He, he had no fear of the pharaoh whatsoever, and and I don't think his mistress did either. I mean, we find out in the part two that his mistress really didn't have any fear of the right. pharaoh either. Okay, so now, because you brought that up, and we're going to get we're gonna come back to this, because I like to go in order yeah, and everything, yeah, yeah. but jumping way ahead. All right, so in the second movie, we find out that um, Rachel Vice is most likely descended from Nefertiti Mm -hmm. uh, or at least uh, a a reincarnation of it. Not not necessarily uh, descended but a reincarnation because she's starting to have memories. Yeah. Which is like the first mummy movie when when reincarnation or whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, she's having so she was the pharaoh's daughter and you know she's the one who told the magi to go and help her father because he was being attacked and everything. Now throughout the courts and all that whenever they'd have court there, you know, uh, for entertainment purposes, Nefertiti mm-hmm. and anox a moon would fight each other with
1: sais.
0: I thought size came from, um, I, I like, uh, uh, most, most weapons I learned come from farmers in, in Asia where they were banned weapons Asia, and right. swords and stuff. So they came up with weapons like the sai and things like that, you know, where, where I, I just, it was just a weird thing, you know, like you would think that they maybe like do with some like small swords, but why size, you know? Uh, I don't know. Um, Sorry, I, I didn't mean to mess up your No, I No, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even actually think about that. Um, let's see. Uh, it, Watch, prove me wrong. It's not entirely Probably clear wrong. how the Psy was created as a weapon. It's why they accepted the Psy originated from mainland Asia several thousand years ago. Uh, began as a farmer's trident and was modified over time to use to fend off bandits and invaders. Because they were banned swords and and things and weapons by the government. they uh, Their government, they were, or their it is pos- monarchy. Yeah, it is possible that Sai originated in India and spread along uh, with Hinduism, Buddhism. So, I mean, it could have been now, you know, in ancient Egyptian cultures and stuff, you know, they, they probably take from other yeah. cultures that are, you know, close by yeah. or whatever. Anyways, um, but yeah, that's something I never even thought of with that. But one thing with this is that when he, when Emma sees Evie in the first Mummy movie. Yeah, yeah. He goes, Anox in a moon? Like saying that she kind of looks like Did her. you feel like that was like a plot hole for it? Well, which is like the first one. It's not a plot hole until you have part two coming along. Because yeah. then part two comes along and you see that he saw her, knew who she was, knew she looked exactly like Rachel Weiss. But in the first movie, he called her an oxygen moon. Yeah. So I don't think that this whole, I mean, obviously part two wasn't planned when they were yeah. doing part one and everything, but when you watch part two with part it one, created that creates a plot hole. that whole huge plot hole. It's like, well, why is he acting like, one, he's never seen this person before in his life, and two, at most, she looks more like an oxygen moon, and that's yeah. who he's going to use to resurrect an oxygen moon, put an oxygen and moon's soul inside of... Um, uh, Evie. Yeah. So, but he doesn't recognize her as Nefertiti until the second one. And then, I don't know. It's. Well, he continues to call her a Noxuna Moon. And then they try to explain it halfway In through the, the first, first one. They try to explain it saying that, you know, he's chosen her as her. Uh, the, the body for basically Enoch Sunamun's soul. But there's no recognition that she no, looks it's like not, it's not. But yeah. that they try to explain it like that. But where then in part still two, like, it doesn't make sense. You see the reincarnation of Enoch Sunamun. Yeah. So she was in the world all along. Right, right, right. But he was going to resurrect her in Nefertiti's. Reincarnated body. I don't know, man. It's it's that that second movie causes so many problems with 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 how it. Well, I think I think they want things up. They want you to kind of anything. forget any details in the first one when they do the second. Maybe one. I didn't like the whole Nefertiti. Uh, uh, it I didn't, didn't make. Sense. I didn't like the E.V. connection with the ancient Cause it, it stuff. It did It didn't, didn't make like the it. story. It didn't move the story at all, or character development at all. It didn't move anything forward because I mean it's not really character development with the Noxuna Moon because it's just saying that they have basically they got a beef you know that we're gonna see a chick fight where's somewhere the, throughout this. Where's movie. the beef? Yeah, but it's like it's like they they say they got the some sort of beef that's causing this problem you know I just I, I think with with. her her story that whole storyline just really did not move that movie forward at all it didn't affect the movie you know it just we just knew that they were gonna eventually fight it to the death somehow some way and you know they have this hatred we saw they don't even fight to the death yeah and we we saw this hatred back in you know the first one where they you know noxun and moon kept on trying to come back or whatever and you know, Evie's fighting. Well, she him fought. And she only fought her when she was an undead corpse. But that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's like we already know that there's a hatred there for that reason. Just like the mummy hates. You know, Imhotep hates uh, the O'Connells. You know, period. And it just it didn't move the story forward. So I thought it was so pointless. You know. Yeah. Now let's go back to the um, with the first one. Okay, so that there it starts out, and they're in Imhotep's room, right? This is Imhotep's. Uh, church or whatever it is Uh, I don't know if it's because I thought it said it said it's Imhotep's uh... well I think it was their place I think it was was um, Seti the first the, the pharaohs because when he first walked in he saw Imhotep's guards yeah that that was Imhotep's priests yeah and he was like what are you guys doing here and then he looked, and that's when he realized Imatep was here. Yeah, but what is he saying? And he goes, what, what's going on in here? But, you know, but what is thing. he saying is just maybe he's saying what's going on in here. Yeah, but I mean? he was asking, what are you doing here? So, I mean, I feel like it was, they were in a place they weren't supposed to be. So, well, it couldn't have been immatep's place. And, and this is another thing, too, is that, you know, like, this is a this is a Rachel statement. Okay? Rachel's now, right. that king, as big as that 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 whole area was, you know, the the where the pyramids were, and and his palace and everything. Which else. that's the city of Thebes, and an Egyptian uh, Egyptologist said that there are no pyramids there. But so. but my, you know, my wife would ask, you know, as big as uh, you know him being the the pharaoh and everything else like that. Do you really think he'd be walking anywhere, and he just so happened to show up right when Imhotep and 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 uh, are there. You know, just out of the blue, he's just gonna randomly just walk around the palace. You know, just checking on making sure everybody's doing their job. You know, that's a little weird, yeah, because you know it. The the movie says that that Anoxian Moon was his mistress. Now, does that mean he was married, or, or had some kind of a wife type th- figure there, and then Noxun Moon was his side, whatever you call it, yeah, side, side chick, and and. Or, or is that just the name of, is that how they referenced a wife or a girlfriend type person as a mistress? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if if he needed to be there or yeah. maybe that was just a an Knox in a Moon's place. That's where he kept his, he's like, okay, you're going to be my side chick, but I'm going to give you this awesome yeah. palace here you know and it, it wasn't really even a palace i mean it was maybe like a mini palace or whatever but <laughs> it's like you have your own you here's, get your, those at here's your here's your studio apartment downtown it's full of gold and statues and stuff you got the penthouse it's up top <laughs> you know so maybe he gives her like the the egyptian equivalent of you know a penthouse over here let me pay for all your stuff yeah and he pops by whenever he you know wants to hang out i say hang out yeah. But you know, it's, it's it's so so I don't know. I I, think I just can't just see a pharaoh walking. Maybe not walking. massive hallways and. Ma- oh, well, I know. think he would. I I think that you know on the streets, whatever, he'd probably be carried and like some kind of a. Uh, at a covered deal like they do in Game of Thrones where they carry yeah. that thing that they ride in and everything. But I honestly, I I, I mean, I think that they will, they probably walk around in the palace by themselves. I, I beg to differ. I think I'm on a different side of that one. Cause I, I really feel Maybe. like that he's being a Pharaoh, you know, I mean, he, if anything, you know, you get like in Game of Thrones, your little birdies telling you things, you know, yeah. and whatnot, you know, but, but it's just, the fact is, is we walk in, you know the the pharaoh catches uh, Noxunamun in the moon because she's got her paint skewered, which they had to basically basically cover her up very very well with a four hours of makeup just to you know keep this PG thirteen movie. And anybody wants to say anything about how she's dressed, that's realistic. You know, yeah. egyptologist said that's actually pretty close to how people were were dressing back then you yeah. know very very light very few i mean it's hot <laughs> yeah it, it, i imagine you wouldn't want it. right and it's almost like you know maybe it was done on purpose you know for the very reason that we find out that you know he's cheating on or she's cheating on the pharaoh with the with the priest, the priest, the priest yeah. you know so then we go into that and then then uh you know basically the pharaoh catches him and, and they both assassinate him together. Yeah, 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 and they kill him. And and you know his priests see him. You know, can, can you imagine being their priest? Uh, the the because assistant you, priest. You, you couldn't. I, I thought about that too. You can't say anything to him because he's your high priest. And but and you, you have to go along with cause it. Cause plagues. Yeah, and they ended up getting buried with him. They ended up getting you know their tongues pulled out and all kinds of crazy weird stuff before <laughs> they got mummified. And. <clears throat> they're Same. probably like, like, like you know, man, we shouldn't have responded to that Craigslist list, listening. yeah, or something. Yeah, I liked how they were painted, the, the painted in the gold and everything like yeah. that, and how because you know painting their bodies and all that—that that was a big part of the culture and everything. Mm-hmm. So that was all good, but then they they perform that once they kill them and stuff, and they're caught by the Magi. Um, she tells him, <clears throat> "Go run away, and uh, because you can bring me back to life." Yeah. Uh, she wasn't afraid of death. She wasn't afraid of the Pharaoh. She was completely 100% all had all her faith into the high priest and into his power. Yeah. So she's like, run, you're the only one that can bring me back to life. He took off and she killed herself. And so he went to go bring her back to life, but he was caught by the magi, And then so him and all his priests were, were mummified. But Imhotep, specifically was given the worst curse you could uh give which is the hum Dai. and it's basically said you know you know you, what is it so, you know you're mummified you have your certain organs that are pulled out i think um but you're buried alive mm-hmm. and so it, it becomes one of and these and then uh with all the beetles you know all those beetles are put so in the, the beetles and the they eat kind of beetles. You for although they eat very very slow and all that so, anyways, but but the worst part about this is that if he is ever returned, he then brings these plagues and he has all these powers, and yeah. it's like, why would you do this to anybody? Yeah. It's like it's like it was such a bad curse that they uh, that it was there's been no recorded uh, incident of it actually being done because they were so scared of what would happen if the curse was brought. Yeah, give him a Viking funeral. So why would you do you know, it? Set him on fire and then you're good to go. Who would do that? Who would say? Well, I know that this is bad, but he really, you know, he really messed up by killing the Pharaoh. So we are going to endanger the, the, the earth for the rest of eternity by saying, if anybody wakes this guy up, he's going to bring about the end of the world. So that makes no sense to me why they would do something like that unless it was like, you know. So dire, they didn't think that any other culture would ever resurrect this this person again, but I don't know it's well, that's very more, weird. that's more of a racial statement than anything what? than than the first one I said, what you know the fact that why would you just give him that that i mean yeah, I understand giving right him right that, why, that, why do least. you do the hum diet? well we wouldn't have a movie, yeah exactly, but you would think that it would be like more of like they're mummifying, and he. Says a curse before he's yeah. killed or something Not that well, they like he does are at, performing the, end of the curse this one. on him Yeah, like he does at the end well, of this he, film he, All he says was, you know, death is, is only, only the beginning, beginning. But, but Anyway, so once it gets to modern times I think the voiceover is unneeded You know, a lot of the voiceover is done by um, uh, By the, the Magi's leader um, The one dude that um, Oh gosh, what's his name? Uh, Ardeth Bay Yeah uh, played by uh, Oded Fair So Ardith Bay You know he does a lot Of the voiceover Play, you Ardith Bay Played by Oded Bae. Wait <laughs> Oded Fair Oded Fair Yeah uh, So but I mean I think his voiceover In there It it, it, it just it, it assumes That we're dumb And okay Now we're the Magi. We're watching over it This is Hamanatra. All this kind of stuff You know I think All we need to know Is that this is Hamanatra now And that time jump Did it perfectly Where you yeah. saw the statue And then It went to the current times and it's all the statues all buried and everything like that so i just thought that was a little bit unnecessary would help to to you know let us find out who rick is let us find out who the magi is and and who those people on the horses are who are they oh they're actually actually like those soldiers that did a really horrible job of protecting the pharaoh (laughs) I mean, wouldn't you? Would aren't they supposed to go like into all rooms with them to make sure everything's secure and different things? They they weren't even outside the door in the second movie. It showed that they were just hanging out on the streets, like it was like smoke break time. And she's like, you know, she had to call them up into the building. You know, (laughs) usually Pharaoh's bodyguards they're going to be right outside that door, right? He came in by himself. These dudes are down on the street, you know, playing. You know, um, hacky sack and having a smoke break or something. And again, you know, when you have people that have the powers that Imhotep has, even if you're the pharaoh, you really kind of, it'd be something that I'd always be uh, worried about, you know, very weary about, you know, Imhotep in general. You know what I mean? I mean, somebody with that much power, you know, it's like, you know, you kind of want to kind of keep security around him and yourself probably. On a regular day-to-day basis. But maybe he had never done anything fantastical, but he he had said that he could do it. Yeah. And that's why Knox and the Moon believed that uh, he could resurrect her and everything. Like Rasmussen. (laughs) Rasputin. Rasmussen. Rasmussen. (laughs) Um, So, Rick, we're then introduced. He's part of the French Foreign Legion. Now, is this guy supposed to be French or is he supposed to be American? Um, Well... We, as we find out in the second one, here's another little spoiler from the second one, that he grew up in an orphanage orphanage in in Cairo, right. So why so, is he if part of the French foreign? league? Well, because I think back then there was a lot of French uh, territory. Maybe you know, I mean, it's it's a guess. I mean, I know history, but I'm not real up to world history as yeah. much. Well, I mean, but, I know they were having their 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 European. Well, they spread, you the know, yeah, the stuff. French, you know, they, they spread out too, you know, just like England did and a lot of these countries. Well, so, may, maybe they they, they put a, had a lot of, uh, you know, some of their army there. So, yeah. this takes place in the 1920s, so it's between World War One and World War Two. So, you know, they're going to be expanding their army and everything. Now, the movie even makes a point of saying that they marched halfway across uh, Libya yeah. to get into Egypt to find this amazing treasure. Uh-huh the uh, city of Hamanoptra, to, because it was is said to have untold treasures and all this. So, uh, but they had to defend it from these other people who are raiding and all. So yeah. a lot of the, the setup doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like why? But I don't there? think he had to be a soldier. I, yeah. They had to march over here. Why? I guess that's the only way you can get like a uh, European white dude uh, yeah. into uh, as the main character you know, because, you know, you don't have any actually yeah. Egyptian people as any of the main characters. I, I don't think and, and I don't think really they meant for any of that to mean anything, because, I mean, they're, they're just trying to tell two things. Yeah. Two Brits in, in and an American. Scenes. Well, well, they're trying to show you two different things uh, in these scenes here, you know, at the beginning with with Rick is, you know, they're trying to show you that. um this hominopter place is real and there's something supernatural here. So, you know, we're going to be coming back to this scene, to this, uh, area, you know, later on in the movie. And then they were also going to show, you know, the, the, with, um, what's Uh, our death bay, right? They Mm -hmm. want to show him seeing Rick and, you know, realizing that, there's something about this guy, you know what I mean, and kind of setting him up to be, yeah, you know, I get all the, that. the main hero. But I, I think the rest of it, it just the the whole backstory behind it, it was just basically to put Rick there. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Is that we had to find a way to get this dude who appears to be a white American and these two other people who are two British, white British people uh, in 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 Egypt. So that's that's the that's how we got there. So we, we'll we'll just accept that. Um. So, so you know, Summers wrote this after um, Clive Barker and George Romero first took shots at it, right? Yeah. So it started out being a, a lot darker because of those two people, and then. Uh, Summers came and made Rick more of like a comical, like Errol Flynn type of swashbuckling character, right? Yeah. Because the Mummy, the original Mummy from nineteen thirty-two, it wasn't an action or adventure. It was yeah. more supposed to be like a, just a quiet, slow horror. Like a monster. It's a monster movie. Right. It's, it's, it's in that same thing with with Dracula and, and where it the, was real slow. Creature and you of the Blue. just find things yeah. out, and you know, coming in dark shadows and all that kind of stuff. But it wasn't an action. Adventure Indiana Jones type of romp like this is because we're talking we're talking about a classic you know classic uh, monster movie where you have you know the mummy you have the you know Frankenstein stuff like that you know that's the way that I think originally it was supposed to be made out to be until su- Summers kind of threw a little bit of uh, like you were saying before some comedy into it you know just to kind of liven it up and to change the story. For more acceptable times, I guess. Right. Yeah, it's it's one of these things where it's a remake, but it's, it's almost like copying Indiana Jones because you have the action-adventure swashbuckling, right? But you're also going back to that time when you'd have the dashing... To the time of the the twenties and the thirties, those earlier movies where you have the dashing hero who's who's doing all these things and getting into fights, but he's always got this confidence and you know that he's going to win. You have a naive uh, the the naive female lead or whatever who's uh, who's really out of her element and everything, but she's kind of along for the ride. Um, so and, and she she plays that very well. Rachel Vice does she plays that very well in this. Um, uh, which we'll get to, but, I mean, in this very first scene, you kind of get the sense of, okay, this is a swashback, swashbuckling action movie with all the things that Brendan Frazier's doing. You know, it sets the tone of a... Uh, and right from the jump, Benny needs to die, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, 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 you know, but he ne- man... Never has a character tried his hardest to get others... Uh, to kill him by just being the worst yes, he's the worst he person the ever worst. and he's always just like like, oh he's such a little weasel and he, he leaves people behind and all that and you don't blame everybody throughout the movie for wanting to kill the guy but I'm sorry Kevin, uh, Kevin O'Connor's role in this film playing Benny was just I mean it was it was awesome I'm I not going to say phenomenal but it was awesome, and I this guy—he so he must have been a friend of Steven Summers. He's been in most of his movies: Deep Rising, Mummy, Van Helsing, GI Joe. You know, he's been in all these movies that Somers, Stephen Summers has done. And he plays it. I mean, he plays that sleaziness in this in this film. He's just so sleazy, where it's like, you know, he's he, it, you know, obviously he's making fun of other religions by having so many necklaces of different religious symbols on them and and everything else like that. You know, so he's mocking right off the bat, you know what I mean? So it just kind of, I mean, every single area, maybe not mocking, but more so. Uh, just trying to steal from everybody's, you know, whatever. Will help he's a him. cockroach. He's an opportunist. Yeah, yeah. He's he, he's one of those opportunists that that just feed off people and and you know ba- basically just barely make it through life. You and know, you, you see him as the type of person who met Rick, saw what kind of a guy Rick was, and it's like I need Attached to attach st- himself. I need to, him. to stick close to this yeah. guy. I need to be like uh, you know one of those. Uh, one of those fish that stay on sharks to clean them and stuff like that and they get all the they get all the benefit off of it or whatever that's what he does you know rick's the shark and he's the one that's like you know i'll be friends with him here there help him out with this good conversation because rick's a good guy i mean he'll help keep me protected and then as soon as as soon as the 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 crap goes down you know he's like all right peace out i'm out of here and and going back to close that door don't you close that door <laughs> it just their their uh, their relationship in this movie was hilarious too. I mean, I, I think going back to the, you know this this could have been the '90s Steven Spielberg Indiana Jones if they really really made an effort with it with the second one and the third one. You know, I mean, the third one's totally off off page here, but you know, the second one there was some reoccurring characters, similarities, things like that. But it was just it, it could have been it, he could have, he was very very. Indiana Jones Steven Spielberg and Indiana yeah. Jones you know and the, the reason that the third one didn't work I mean we say it's Rachel Weisz. it is Rachel Weisz. but it's because Brendan character's character of uh, of Rick doesn't work unless you have that character of yep. Evie it didn't it it had a real hard time working in part two and the only reason it did is because you, st- you you had memories from part one yeah because Evie in part two, and Mummy Returns is completely different than the EV in this one. Yeah, well, in part, in part two, and also too is just that uh, the relationship with the 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 son too, because I mean, like she she doesn't, you know, they they don't. It, he, he it was. I understand why they had to have him in there because he's going to want the, the one with the bracelet. But I mean, uh, I Eve, Evie could have had the bracelet. Jonathan could have had the bracelet. Rick could have had the bracelet. You know, one yeah. of these other people could have had the bracelet, but his, I thought they were trying way too hard putting that son in there. We're going to get there, but I, I, I and, think and they're, they're horrible I don't, parents. I don't think they should have had parents. the son in the movie. I, I think that the son was a huge misstep. I think it's hard to have an yeah. adventure movie like this. They're trying to make it more family friendly, whatever. Yeah. But, um, so, I'm that, trying really hard so that we don't have to spend a lot of time on the second one. So I'm trying to insert stuff. Yeah, second, yeah, and that's what we're going to do. That, I think I don't we're not really going to dive into the second one. We're going to we're going to use it to yeah. to show how awesome this movie is yeah. <laughs> comparatively. No, but I mean, I I do like parts of the second one, but I'm going to yeah. talk about the parts that I thought that they could have got rid of cuz it's just stuff. But first of all, that face in the the sand. Uh Whenever, uh, everybody runs and Rick's like, oh, you know, all the, the sand's going back and forth. And then it, once it zooms in, you can really see the computer CGI sand yeah. as it makes that face. But, oh, I was going to tell you about that. Uh, the part where he has the sword, right. And he chops off, uh, Im- Imhotep's arm, um, and, and, and he you, puts you it, see it on like would, it's a Lego figure. It's like... <laughs> reek, reek, reek. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, he's swinging that sword, right? And I'm like, okay, some of the stuff he's doing right now, even if these people are in green suits or if they're CGI created, you know, I, I know some of them are really people in green suits. There's no way he can thrust even a, a rubber or a plastic sword down... And not really seriously injure these people without it, it looking like he's not killing anybody. You're talking you know? about Brendan Fraser? Yeah, character? yeah. But but you see when he puts the sword on his shoulder, you look at the sword, it looks CGI. Like you could see the sword is fake. So basically he's got the hilt of the sword and he's slashing and or maybe it's the looking and with stabbing. The with about, like, four inches of a, of a foam part yeah. of the sword. or, or and then something, they, yeah. So that the, the CGI people know where to start yes. the sword and Because you can see when he's got that sword, like, he's got the hilt. The hilt looks real, but the actual blade of the sword, you can tell CGI. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it, the only reason I was doing it is because I knew we were doing a podcast and I was looking for things at this point, but I didn't notice it before. Yeah, it's one of these things that if you're trying to notice it or you're trying to, instead of just trying to enjoy it. Then, yeah, the CGI is going to jump out at you because we obviously have much better CGI nowadays getting to the point where you almost can't tell Mm -hmm. the fact that whenever you see Superman's mustache being removed or you see, you know, long dead characters Mm -hmm. being brought back to life in Star Wars movies. You know, I mean, because it's not walk- perfect, it yeah. jumps out at you. I mean, look at the Walking Dead; they actually employ people that were born without legs, right? so these certain parts, yeah. Because so it's getting the, so much more realer, yeah, now. realistic and everything. But like CGI, there's a lot of CGI in movies. Like, you know, when you talk about what do we want to talk about? Okay, the Phantom Menace versus Attack of the Clones. How much CGI was in Attack of the Clones? Yeah, yeah. Versus how much practical was in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. It looked like it. Yeah. But if you know Star Wars, there was actually more CGI in The Phantom Menace than there was in Attack of the Clones. And sometimes these CGI shots are simple little tiny things that you would never even notice. So that type of stuff. But in this movie, even when you have simple little tiny things, it pops out because, you know, they, they just weren't there yet. Yeah. yeah now, yeah. this movie, it was good. <clears throat> you know i think they for their effort they did an amazing job oh, yeah. because back then we you know when we saw the effects like that we we're like that's amazing those yeah. effects are really good this is one of the few movies i can sit there and i can watch it not be taken out of it well n- not so much that but i can watch it and then tomorrow the following day i can watch it again yeah, and not have a problem with it because I, I, I honestly I was busy with some stuff and and I, I got distracted a couple parts of the movie. Yeah, but you know I can remember it mm-hmm. um, because we watched this movie so much. Yeah, when we were younger and everything. But uh, it's a movie I want to go watch again. Um, we cut to a library in Cairo, <laughs> and it's a library that this that this uh, this character played by um, Rachel Vice Evelyn works at. Uh, her name, her name in the movie is uh, Evelyn Carnahan, and um, she has, <laughs> she she has a, she's from England or whatever. Her parents were were famous archaeologists and all that. Um, this is based off of a real archaeologist. I can't remember what her name was, but her, the one that she's based off of, her father uh, was also an archaeologist, just like this person. Is was it Lord Croft? No, but he was actually part of the. People that brought uh, that that unearthed uh, Tutankhamun's. Ah, so the guy who, uh, one of the guys who helped uh, 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 unearth Tutankhamun's tomb, um, his daughter is who the Rachel Vice person is based. You sure, it's not Lara Croft? Of. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's um, Nathan Drake, <laughs> Nathan Drake or Lara Croft. I tell you what, man, in that new Uncharted game, <laughs> yeah, Part Four, mm-hmm. the spoiler uh there's a, a part at the end you see that him and uh, what's her name have a, a child together and it's a daughter and i was so hoping that they'd say that they named her her, her her they named her Lara, and then maybe she changed it when she's older but i know she's also british and these people weren't british and all this kind of stuff so remember angelina jolie's awesome british accent <laughs> <laughs> anyways did she really think she could reach that shelf no, I mean, I, well, I mean, she obviously did, but like that, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, uh, this scene because it shows one how absolutely clumsy she is, yeah. and two how naive she is. The fact that she thought she could reach across into anybody, my kid would look at that and be like, "Yeah, I need to move the ladder." Yeah, <clears throat> but she she tries to do it. She is, shows she she wants to be strong. She wants to, you know, be able to do things and and and, and, and you know by herself and all that kind of stuff, but. You know, it's it. I don't know why she thought she'd be able to reach. Anyway, she she tried to reach the book across the aisle. and She ended up standing up straight needed, up on the ladder. They need to fire the engineer. I'm <laughs> just saying. And that that shot was really done. Yeah. Them knocking over all the books. <laughs> I bet it was only done once. Yeah. Well, well, maybe they have those sets though that can break apart and then they can be put back together and break yeah. apart multiple times. I don't know. Maybe. But well, do you you notice you see in the part two where uh, they uh, did kind of a. Dedication to that scene. Oh, with the boy, yeah, with the boy, yeah, and knocking down over the wall and stuff. Which, which just so happened to knock down a lot the white wall, and then we come out. <laughs> well, and there plays. was a lot of copying that went on. Yes, yes, a lot of trying to retread the old stuff. Yeah, there's a very fine line when you capture. uh What do you call it? Capture lightning in a bottle. Yeah, that's what this first movie was. It was capturing lightning in a bottle because. The spinoffs, the Scorpion Kings, the new Tom Cruise one—nobody could, not not any other movie could catch capture this because it's in the style. We're not scared of mummies and stuff like that anymore. Yeah, you know they were back in the day. This we weren't even back in the '90s, but it did it in a way that was kind of just paying respects to those types of movies. Well, nowadays, with the it's, music. Yeah, it's 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 like this sweet music where you get your dashing rogue yeah. to meet up with your. <clears throat> You're smart and capable but very clumsy and naive uh, a female lead who's very smart and helps to drive the plot and everything like that. But typically she needs rescuing and all this kind of stuff. So that it's kind of more just paying homage to – that time, you know, the, the simpler time, and those those types of movies and everything. And well, like I said, it's 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 basically Indiana Jones. I mean, just the music, everything, the history, going back to a certain time in history. You know, it's 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 a lot. I mean, it's like Indiana Jones. And it's you just, got that violence, yeah. love theme between the, mm-hmm. those two. You know, she's very beautiful, but she she acts like a Disney character come to life. That, she is a Disney princess, you know, technically, right? What do you mean? Well, isn't isn't. Uh, who owns uh, the the rights to that movie? What movie? The Mummy. Uh, Universal, isn't it? Okay. Yeah, because Universal does all the uh, uh, the Dark Universe and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's Universal. I don't know where I'm thinking of something else. that I think that that uh, can be classified because it's not owned by Disney, right? Viacom, I think, was owned by Disney. There's a couple. Uh, there's some some other ones. I, I mean, they bought up like Fox and all that. Yeah, because I, mean, I don't cause, think they bought up. Universal or Par- they might have bought up Paramount did they buy it Paramount maybe I oh, can't remember man Disney's becoming ridiculous but yeah but yeah I mean she she, she acts like a Disney character come to life you know very naive yeah, yeah. and childish but extremely intelligent and oozing with knowledge but uh, and and so oozing with knowledge that even in these in the desert camping out and there's weird things going out she can't help but grin ear to ear when she's yeah. explaining to Rick about all the different things and the curses and how to translate and and, and doing all this stuff she she just gets so excited about it even though you know normally she's just like I don't want to be in this element she wants the adventure and excitement and doing all the stuff um, so you're saying her, her character is not realistic. It's very unrealistic uh, in a way. I don't know. I think it's just very unique. I mean, I'm sure there, I mean, there's plenty of strong women out there that want to be independent and that do this, but the fact that she, she, you know, she starts off, you know, you know, it feels like if the feelings you get for, you know, like whenever they get drunk, you feel like it's yeah. the first time she's ever been drunk in her life. Yeah. And you know, or she, the, the amazingly delivered line behind her where She goes, uh, I, and she has to kind of look and she looks very concerned. I'm a librarian. And then she's all like happy about it. Like, yeah. like she's just realized what she That was awesome. Everything. That was awesome. You know, just the, the way she delivered it and the whole line and everything. I liked it. It was just very, she's very innocent. You know what I mean? She's right. Not, she's not very worldly at all. She no. has no common sense whatsoever. She spent her life in a library. Yeah. She spent her life studying. And she's smart for it. Yeah. She's all the smarter for it. But she's more like book smart, not, not common sense. Yeah. Smart. And as we see in the second one, she's a lot more capable and stuff. Yeah. But she needs somebody to, because along the way, there are rogues there are other rogues you know other treasure hunter there are other uh um, dangerous people out there that are looking for treasure there are uh you when you're going through tombs and stuff there's and this isn't true there's not really traps like pressurized salt acid have you ever been to one No, but... So, how do you know? I watched a video where this Egyptologist was watching The Mummy with uh, a movie reviewer, and they'd stop every once in a while, and she's like, yeah, they never did booby traps, pressurized soul tests, and she goes, I don't even know what that is. (laughs) And, you know, this is an Egyptologist and everything like that. You know, she's like, this just isn't real. But, again, we wouldn't have the movie we have now. We wouldn't, no, because it's exciting and stuff. You have the, you know, and it's all what a whole genre of video games. There's a movie that that does does stuff like this uh, that has the traps and... uh, in the caves and stuff like that. Oh yeah, Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let's see. There's labyrinths, there traps, labyrinths, or anything no, no. Like that? There's again, investigations. In again, you can see there was so much. Um, they took so much from Indiana Jones. You know, there was so much influence from Indiana Jones in this movie. I felt like, you know, just with everything, everything. You know, he 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 wasn't. The only thing was is you know, Indiana Jones had the weakness where he was scared of. Uh, snakes, right? Yeah. And where you know, Rick's not really scared of anything, but Mummies in a way, <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Which he has every right to oh, be. Oh, I hate Mummies. Yeah. Well, cuz he ruined his car. <laughs> but yeah, that was in part 2, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but she's she's just she's this person who um She's not really one for adventure. She no. likes all everything. But by the end of the movie, she loves it. Yeah, shes I think she likes the adventure. And she likes the adventure that Rick's lifestyle brings. <laughs> okay,
1: tough stuff. Let's try a right hook. Ball up your fist and put it up. Like that. Mm-hmm. Now mean it. Get it right here. Oh, mean it. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay, time for another drink. Unlike my brother, sir. I know when to say no. Uh-huh. And then, like your brother, miss, you, I just don't get. Ah, I know. You're wondering, what is a place like me doing in a girl like this? Yeah, something like that. Oh, Egypt is in my blood. You see, my my father was a very, very famous explorer. And he loved Egypt so much, he married my mother, who was an Egyptian and quite an adventurer herself. Mm. Mm. I get your father, and I get your mother. and uh, I get him, but... what are you doing here? Oh... Look, I, I may not be an explorer, or, or an adventurer, or a treasure seeker, or a gunfighter, Mr. O'Connell, but I am proud of what I am. And what is that? I am a librarian. I am going to
0: kiss you, Mr. O'Connell. Call me Rick. Oh. Oh. Rick. Yeah, what we have to, what we really have to understand, and they did push this was she's a librarian. She's right. not even an archaeologist. I mean, I'm sure she has some sort of education when it comes to archaeology, but she's not an archaeologist. She's a literal librarian. I think it, the guy that owns the or the guy that was the head there Eric Avari's character I think he was more of like an archaeologist obviously we find out that he's also a magi but yeah um but yeah, she spent her whole whole life in a library. Although her parents were, I believe, archaeologists. Not actually, archaeologists. So I believe they were the ones actually going out and looking for these things and everything. Yeah. And I think she always dreamed of getting out. Yeah. But you know, back in those days too, not a lot of women were right. doing that. It was only, yeah. mainly like men and, and mm-hmm. that were that were cave cave diving or or, or tomb raiding. Yeah. And all that. And you, but you also see that you know she does put up with her brother. You know, because we get introduced to her brother here, uh, you know, right, right after she knocks down these bookshelves, which which engineer being not an engineer myself, but seeing how things are built, there's no way in God's green earth that the uh, woman that's probably 140, maybe you know, at most. You know, you well, we could push down. As heavy as those bookshelves looked, it looked like she would have just crashed it. It looked like I would have crashed into it and then just fell to the floor. Exactly. Like exactly. Have those. But yeah, yes. those those have to be, I don't know, maybe they were working on the bookshelves. Or, maybe or, they, yeah, or, or, or maybe it was like, okay, we've got to throw move. a little bit of comedy What you here. didn't know is that all those bookshelves were actually in the middle and they moved them all out to the side yeah. so they could clean the floor in the middle. <laughs> and then when they were on the sides, that's, that's it, what happened. But, you know, I kind of felt like with this movie, that, from the beginning, and and this is how all the movies went, you know, together, but in this movie, they they kind of dipped in, you know, went more adult type themes to, to childlike themes, to adult themes, to, ch- you know, back and forth, kind of, that was their way of throwing in comedy in a way, you know what I mean? Like throwing in the brother who happens to be basically a, a big child, you know, an, an older child, you know, he's, <laughs> he's her older brother, but he basically acts like a child entirely the time, I mean. Entirely every single movie. Yeah. And then the way that John Hanna plays it, too. Oh, who man. He was also on um, uh, Spartacus, I think. Yeah, yeah. He was. Um, so... He, the way he plays it too it, you feel like you know their parents told Rachel Weiss like before they died or something like please take care of your brother <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but you know he, he's he, gonna die if he doesn't have somebody exactly but him, he's yeah. the one that does he's the, the older brother yeah yeah <laughs> and he's the older brother but he's the one that does the crazy things and he's and there for the gold he, yeah and yeah. that's why I say that she is the protagonist because everybody yeah. who goes to Hamonoptera everybody's looking for gold. Yeah. Everybody's looking for riches except for her. Like, even yeah. Rick, Rick is more there to protect and I think he, had, he he kind of, when he kisses her and everything, he's like, kind of has a little feeling for her at that moment was like yeah. maybe I need to protect this girl because yeah. you know that's the type of well, guy that's that, who and he is he's everything. the protector but know? I mean he's also a soldier of fortune yeah. I, that's how I imagine he got hooked up with the French Foreign Legion he was being paid yeah. to do it and kind of a mercenary type of thing but I think I think getting hung like he did kind of uh, pretty much uh, put his life better and more perspective because you know at that point after you know he meets Evie you Did you know, know that that, that yeah, had a mess up that yep. rope actually tightened whenever uh-huh. he got hung and, and they had Re- resuscitate him and everything yeah but, he, I think for like 18 was it like 18 minutes or something like that? yeah something It yeah. was crazy but I mean you know if, if she's the protagonist in a way anoxina moon is the antagonist the real antagonist in this movie because you know and in, in every single goal like the mummy's main way of thinking is he has to bring her back no matter what he has to do I think anoxana moon is more of an antagonist in the second movie because in yeah. the first movie, the mummy is really coming after her. He's not coming after Rick. Yeah, he's coming after her. So I see it as a as a battle between her and the mummy, where when you know Rick is obviously the hero, but he you know he's not part of the main thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like the he can be killed off and he won't affect. Yeah. but he needs the mummy needs her alive to be able to resurrect an oxygen moon so i think you get in both i think an oxygen moon's is more because you know she helps to dig him up and emma does a few things in there but she's you know causing problems for everybody so I, I, yeah. I agree with that um you know they they that one dude uh the um oh gosh he was the warden i think they just yeah. called him the warden um he uh, he, uh warden gad hassan gad hassan I guess. Um, but, uh, anyways, he, he starts crawling through the tunnels. You know, these people did not benefit from not having movies like these to warn them not to be going off and no. doing stuff yeah. like that. Because for me, watching him cl- crawl through those tunnels terrifies me. Yeah. Because I'm terrified of being buried alive. And so to go into tunnels like that, not knowing what's going to close behind you, these things haven't been open for thousands of years. Hell no. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not uh, this guy right here. I'm not an archaeologist. I'm not crawling down into any deep deep dark places. The ocean freaks me out because it's so dark and vast and so many unknown things in there. It just freaks me out. So yeah, the, him crawling around in the pyramids. I was like, man, they didn't have movies back then. But I mean, even if they did have movies, yeah. you know, that usually they're idiots and stuff. But real quick, they they get on a boat. Um, the Medjai attack it, trying to get the map. Uh, but they, it, it's a whole pointless scene because Rick's like, it's fine. I have the map. And there's supposed to be a holy warrior that's not supposed to, uh, more than likely probably are not are supposed to attack women and kill women and stuff. Like, they're supposed to be a good organization. They're I coming think, in there burning down the boat, killing everybody. Well, the, remember, the, 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 the fire was an accident. Yeah. And, but they did go in there, you know, obviously they're willing to kill, but you know, like they killed some people when they raided that that deal too. But I think it's just no matter what, they have to stop the creature from being resurrected. So they're going to do whatever it takes to do that. But we get a great scene coming up. But you would think that... This the magi attack it, and the dude's putting on a little hook thing that's obviously <laughs> that going to so, stab so somebody. Is weird, but so he's doing that. But or you would think sword, that Eric Gavari's character, knowing her and her parents and yeah. their family, and they were it's like family respected. Friends, you think he would have been like, "Look, don't hurt anybody." Yeah, because you know he wouldn't want yeah. her to get hurt. Anyways, gotta move past that. So Benny, who was a coward and ran away, is leading a bunch of Americans. I shouldn't say Americans. They're leading a bunch of Texans because. Yeah. Essentially, that yeah. was that was I guess the the uh, caricature of Americans at that time as a bunch of cowboys throughout the world, Texas yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So I guess yeah. So you have a bunch cowboy of, hats and cowboy boots riding on horses to go to the right. Outhouse. That's why Rick is never mentioned as an American. Well, no. uh, I mean he is, but I mean he's more you know like a soldier of fortune. He works with the legionnaires. No, our Americans are all from Texas. So and he has no accent. And yet. they all want to ride weird. horses. And it's only the, but you know, the horses won't go as fast as camels will. Can I mention my favorite scene or one of my favorite scenes what? where he's, where they're the, the boat sunk and they're on two sides of the river. Right. <laughs> hey, O'Connell. <laughs> O'Connell. Hey, O'Connell. It looks to me like I've got all his
1: the- To me, like you're on the wrong side of the river.
0: Shit. And he's like, yeah. Oh, oh man. Okay. And then freak, yeah, he starts freaking out and everything. Yeah, that was really good. Because Betty, as, as much of a weasel as he is, he's he's hilarious, and he's not like. A, He's cruel. a survivor. I yeah, mean, and he's, he's not a like a cruel person. Yeah, but like he, yeah, he, he's just a he's trying win- to save his own skin. Exactly, the he, he th- is, the time. he's a completely, you know, the the definition of a coward and all yeah. that. So, anyways, okay, now we're back to Hamanatra. Dudes crawling through the tunnel, uh, uh, the tunnels and stuff. Although right before they get to Hamanatra, why does Benny say? Hey, O'Connell. Nice camel. And starts laughing at him. And you're like, he's he's riding a camel too. Why are you making fun of him for riding a camel? He's like, nice camel. And he just shakes his head. I never understood that part. but Well, probably because they all the other guys all had horses. You yeah. Know. So we get to the part where Evie and them find uh, Imhotep's body. And the other group finds the Book of the Dead. Uh, but Evie and them have the key, which will open both the sarcophagus for Imhotep and the Book of the Dead. Oh, wow. Thank God she's got the key. Because yeah. then... then none of this would have made and the sense key whatsoever. key also opens up the gold book. To, I, I mean, mean, that key will open up anything. But yeah, they just so happen to luckily found it. <laughs> and, and what does she say? She list. says, no harm ever came from reading a book, says the librarian, who then brings about the end of the world <laughs> by reading a book. Yeah, don't read from yeah, the book. And in the second one, she's like, what What? Whatever, what Whatever? harm ever came from opening a chest? And he's like, you know, what, what harm <laughs> ever came from uh, reading a book? Do you know, know how, how that went? Turned out? <laughs> uh, so that was a good line. But, you know, i, I, I felt like... Also, whenever they have the mummy come out and the noises and stuff, you got the people going down the tunnels of the pyramids and yeah. stuff or of the uh the tombs and it's like, you know, <sighs> Oh, that was awesome. Ah, I love But It's going that back was... and forth and it remind me of like the, the style, the zoom outs and zoom. It's very Sam, Sam Raimi. Ramey, yeah. I think you and I have talked about this, but it's still done in the style of thirties, horror and adventure movies. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool little mixture with the, those, the, 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 and you know, he obviously has a unique mm-hmm. vision. Stephen Summers yeah. does where, uh, some of it can be cheesy, but it's all, you know, grandiose. It's all Hollywood. Yeah. Very Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, but yeah, I, I I wrote down a note here. I, I like how she gets so excited despite the danger approaching. You know, she she's you know she, she's always just got like you know kind of like a smile on her face and yeah. everything, even when there's literally plagues raining down on Cairo, and yeah. he's trying to pack a bag saying let's get let's let's the hell get out of here. here. Yeah, she's like, no, we're gonna stay here and everything. We're gonna Which, save yeah, the world. They can't just run because I mean, well, she can't. Think about this one though. She can't run because. In all reality, this is all her fault. Well, and that, and he's at, and the mummy's after her specifically, and yeah. all this kind of stuff. But I mean, it's not like he can run anywhere. This is a world-ending. Yeah. These are world-ending yeah. plagues and stuff. They got to do something about it. But you know, the fact that she's like, so, "No, we got to do something about this." We, you know, she's just, she's always, she's, she's been spent way too much time in the library. You know, she's <laughs> no got these unrealistic common sense. Got these unrealistic ever. plans about fighting undead uh, mummies and different things like that. You know, it's like all these people that. You know, oh, they they want quarantine. You know, they want mummies or zombies and different things like yeah. that. But nobody can handle quarantines yeah. like we've had and everything. But so I, I kind of got a little bit confused when they're in the they're in the pyramids or whatever, or they're in the structures and and underground. But like, who found what first? You know what I mean? It was like, okay, so they opened up and they found the his organs first, right? And then then they found his body. Well, they found. So they all found where the book of the dead was, but they all met up at a certain point coming from different directions Yeah, and to avoid a fight, which Rick probably could have won by himself Uh single-handedly, which um, we've seen. Right. But to avoid a fight and any gunfire, Evie's like, we'll, we'll dig over here. You guys can have this one. So they, that's why they find the book of the dead, even though that's what she's there to look for. Yeah. Um, they dig somewhere else and they end up finding the sarcophagus. Then mm-hmm. after they split up, so um, they 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 open the the, the jaw. They open the chest and they find the book and all the canopic jars with the organs and stuff. And each of them takes one. And so they're in the presence of it, but of course Benny, being smart survivor a coward that he is, runs away before they open it. Smartest so he can't be part, move ever. <laughs> yeah, so he can't be part of the the, the the curse or whatever. So once she reads from the book. Well, crazy. Okay, it with the, brings them back to life. Right. Now, with the body parts, this is what, I, and I know that we're not really ta- talking so much about part two, but this didn't make sense in part two. Where did they get the body parts again? You know, the, the urns and stuff like that. We even Didn't one or two of you know, them get broken, but then all of a sudden they them have them, them again? One of them did, but I think, I don't know, because well, first of all, there's five. And, yeah. And Egyptologists will tell you there's only four whenever they used to mummify people. Yeah. They never took out the heart. They believe the heart uh, was, you know, where you did uh, the it. The soul it is, is. Or, or they thought it was just as important as the brain. Yeah. Like that, that's where you're, they thought the heart was the brain basically. Yeah. Um, they they knew as much as like you know you need to relieve pressure in the brain mm-hmm. you know so they knew it was important they just didn't know what it did the yeah. brain did and everything yeah. so but the heart wouldn't be removed but they'd have four jars so I don't know if his stuff got removed how he would stay alive and be buried alive yeah but but I'm just saying I'm just saying in part two where did they find the body parts I mean I know they dug up him and everything else like that but his body parts were kind of all over the place right and I think it got buried in that. That thing, but would would they? I, they would I think it was a that. serious plot hole, like in part two, where they find all the body parts in the urns again. Uh, remember, and then they bring it onto the train and then they get those three guys to open up the chest again. I don't know, and maybe so they remember I he think sucked it was, them dry, I think, yeah. And, but I don't think it had anything to do with the jars there. He just needed to take from somebody else, yeah. But they had to, uh, in part two, they had to open up that chest. For them to be cursed because they said it was a cursed chest, you know, for them to be cursed so that he could basically suck them dry to become whole again. Right. So, I mean, maybe that's the curse or whatever. Where did they come from? Maybe it's, I don't know, maybe they had the box, um, but it was just the box that was the curse and there was no jars in it. He just needed to suck. That movie's all over the place. Yeah. That's well, why. Well, and that's that's the thing is that you know, in the first one, we find out you know with with his body parts, he does you know do all that stuff. They broke some of them, you know. I guarantee you, they they got scattered all throughout the Egypt, you know. And so, how do you track yeah. down that thing? So uh, you know, once the once the mummy comes back and he starts sucking up all the uh, all the organs from everybody else, you know, he. <laughs> <sound> <laughs> <laughs> second up the so shut up so they get back to cairo and they're like screw this and everybody beats feet back to cairo you know screw this almanatra place and they take off there obviously the the mummy follows him back he brings the 10 plagues of egypt although i think we only saw like four of them yeah. there was locusts there was the rivers with blood there was earthquakes and there was the bugs. So the liquor, the the, the you liquor. know, they're drinking bourbon and stuff like that, and I guess that turned to blood. All too? liquid turns oh, to blood, okay. I guess. You know, there's obviously the water part of liquor is is water, yeah. the liquid part. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, so then they're like, okay, we got to go do something about this. But before they can do anything, Emil with Benny's help helps to kidnap. Uh, Evelyn takes her back to Hamanatra, so it's kind of just bouncing around. You know, yeah. we bounce from Hamanatra back to Cairo, back to Hamanatra, back to Cairo, and then back to Hamanoptra again. Yeah. So a lot of this is, is traveling, and but I like how Benny still had a bit of um, a bit of reservation about how Imatep went about things. Yeah. He wasn't just okay with him killing and stuff because once he crashed the plane with Rick. And those people on it, he goes, "Oh, I like what you did with the sand and the thing and the bastard," you know. <laughs> he, and- is it, he's the same voice as uh, on uh, raspy? Uh, not not raspy, but the the little rat. Or no, that's Hank Azaria. That's my bad. Right. Uh, it, but his sound, sounds like on uh, Anastasia. Oh. You know the the bat on Anastasia. I know it's Frank Azaria, but it sounds just like uh, uh, Con- uh, Conley. Oh, okay, you know, I sorry, that was just a little off thing, but i, I at first I thought it was, but wait, you mean, it sounds, it sounds like Benny, yeah, yeah, it sounds like Benny, yeah, um, uh, but didn't what was the quote that he said about the rather be at the side of the devil or something like that, or what was that quote that he said? Because uh Rick asked Benny, he said, why are you doing this? Why are you on his side? Oh, he said, uh <clears throat> um, rather be the I can't remember. I think it's basically the equivalent of it's better be a uh, ruler in hell than to be a servant in heaven or something yeah. like that. You know, it wasn't that quote, but it's something along those lines yeah, yeah, like you know, at least I at least I'm not going to be killed, at least well, I'm not going to be tortured. it's basically being an opportunist, you know. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, living his life like he normally does. Mm-hmm. Um, they get back to it. Um, they're they're fighting the mummy. I I th- always thought the incantation was 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 weird because it was like this big long thing, yatu a yatu, that you know when she was reading it. But then it's like three words just to take his power, or maybe it was even just one or two words. The incantation yeah. to basically make him mortal again yeah. is very opposite from the one to bring him back. Well, to and life. It, they, that was such an awkward scene because it was like you're trying to listen to to the brother's description of the symbols and you're not seeing Evie really talking to him. So how is he figuring it out? Because the guy's obviously an idiot, you know, I mean, he's again, no common sense whatsoever. And he has no book smarts. So he's even worse off than any of the other characters. He's just a total idiot. Yeah. You know, and, and the fact that he still managed, (laughs) I mean, in all essence, he really was the one that took down the mummy. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, the brother took down the mummy it wouldn't yeah granted rick stabbed him through the stomach but none of well, that would have been able to happen evie read the incantation that took the mummy down though. right 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 but that, but what oh what what the brother did what jonathan did was get the soldiers back on their side those undead soldiers and get yeah. them to kill an because they almost killed the and, Evie. but okay so he so she was the one that actually took the power, yeah, the, his, his um, immortality away from Yeah, him. when Jonathan had the book and he was like, it's a bird, it's a stork, or whatever, that's um, that's whenever he they were taking over the soldiers to, yeah. to stop them from killing uh, Evelyn and have them kill an ox and a moon instead. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, still, that or scene sorry, stop the soldiers from coming after uh, him and Rick yeah, and yeah. going after in and the Moon instead. But it, just, it, it was such an awkward scene because you're just sitting there like, oh, come on, just, you know, run to Evie. Somehow get to Evie, hand her the book, and run away. Just run away. Because this, this whole thing was just so awkward because it was like, I'm trying to leave well, it, but I'm also, at the same time, I'm like... Nobody's talking to anybody, so how is he figuring anything out? But on top of him trying to figure that out, he's also trying to figure out a way to get the key from Imhotep, because yeah. Imhotep had it in his robes, yeah. and he had to wait until he wanted to go shirtless and, <laughs> and just fight in his underwear or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he had to wait until then so they can grab the key. Yeah. The cloth. And then, But don't you, do you remember when that happened? It was almost like Imhotep didn't know what to do. Because yeah. he'd, he'd take a few steps this way, but then something over here would happen. He'd go, wait, wait, no, 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 speak in his language, whatever, and go this way. But then something would happen, like, give me that book. And then something would happen, eh, you know, and I yeah. the moon died over here. And he's like, oh, you know. He Don't was, you think he would have headed to the book, even, even though, so he gets, you know, Whatever, Like he's chasing the brother, you know, and then he stops and turns around and goes away. It's like, get that. But you know, but if I mean you're that, the villain, you're going to get that book as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm saying is that he kept going back and forth and it was yeah. like, he didn't know what to do. Go straight. He's to the unsure, book. Just like, Oh, let me go after Rick. Oh wait, Now that dude's reading from the, give me that, but, oh, she's dying. Come over here. You know, so he's kind of like going back and forth, like, but he didn't know where to go. But you look at his character, look at his character. He wasn't afraid of anybody. He, again, he wasn't afraid of the Pharaoh. He wasn't afraid of soldiers. He wasn't afraid of anybody. So it was kind of like, he probably had it in his mindset. Like, I really have no fear from any of these people in particular. I just want to knock them down. They're just like little flies. It's, it's, it's becoming difficult to just kill one of them. Let's, let's just go try to kill them all at the same time or something. And then, of course, while all the shenanigans are going down, Benny is sneaking bags of treasure. Mm Because they finally find the treasure room whenever they come back to Hamanaptra. Mm -hmm. They go even deeper into the sacrificial room or wherever it is. That's one hell of a Um, shot by Rick. One hell of a shot. Yeah. So I mean you you're, you're going to uh, ben, Benny finds all this treasure and he's loading up the camels going back and forth in between the pyramid and on his last run of course uh, of all the things in the entire pyramid or whatever in the entire tomb that Benny could have touched he put the bag on the one thing that activated the mechanism that brought the entire tomb down. And and why was that there? You know, it was like, it's like, it was like, here's this shutdown or here's this, uh, cave in, uh, handle. Let's just (laughs) stick it out here in the middle of some random hallway. That way, if anybody rests their foot on it, the whole thing will cave in. That part kind of seemed a little, little, uh, Forced, you know, it was, it was a little just, weird. It was it's like, re- don't bring your kids no. into the tomb, or we'll all die. I mean, I'd understand, like, you take down emotep, <clears throat> and it causes some sort of reaction. You know what I mean? And that would have shut it down. But Benny sending a bag on there, it's like, it's let's let's just throw a little bit of comedy right at the end. You know, and like I, mean? I said, there's no like booby traps and different things like that. So, no. anyways, Rick and them eventually make it out. Poor Benny, the coward, dies because of his cowardly ways. He waited too long Reedy to drop rigs. that huge sack of gold that yeah. he had he, he tried to carry. as soon as they, he that thing activated that thing you could tell the 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 pyramids come down you already got a bunch of gold outside are you yeah. going to continue carrying that bag no that's ridiculous well but. that's just kind of like with rick you know i mean he you know evie the book goes into the water or whatever that substance was and then you know she she goes to to Grab it instead of running out, which is what Benny should have booked, done. The book, yeah. They're like, leave it, and they run away, and they go through the uh, and the, the brother's treasure, like, and He goes, but couldn't we just oh, no, just leave it? Yeah, and it's the same thing in the second movie when he goes to buy uh, grab the diamond on top yeah. of the pyramid, and uh, he goes, pull me up, pull me up, pull me down, pull me down, pull me down, <laughs> and he's like, is it really worth your life? And he's like, yes. <laughs> but it's, it, I mean. And, and then the other dude's like, you know half of that's mine. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, you kind of feel like the brother should have fell to the same ultimate end as as Benny did, you know, because of his greedy ways. And, and, you know, granted, he was a good guy, you know, but at the same time, it's like something should have bad happened to this guy. but Because this guy is basically like Benny, but with morals. You know, the brother is literally Benny with morals. Uh, with morals. With, with, with morals. With certain morals. With not all morals, but with certain yeah, morals. His own certain morals. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. is Now, that, yeah, he wouldn't let anybody die if he could help it, especially if it's his sister. Yeah, yeah. And in the second movie, if it's his sister, yeah. his brother-in-law or his nephew or whatever. But so anyways, we as an audience see that, that the Campbells have been loaded up with gold from when Benny brought them out. The main characters don't realize it yet. But you say they eventually do because in the next one, they're hugely rich. Now... There are a couple things that I like about Mummy Returns that I'll watch it for. Um, you know, I think the scenes at the beginning in London are pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I think seeing Rick in them again is, is pretty cool. Um, seeing the double-decker bus and driving with that double-decker bus. I, yeah. I, I See, I remember going to england and riding on double-decker buses right. i don't know if you're uh, if you're no, young enough to remember it but i remember God, the smell of i the it. Diesel and all it yeah I, I just loved it you know being on those double-decker buses and i'm sorry but probably about five minutes into driving he would have crashed that thing or flipped it or something like that uh, there's no way that those those <coughs> double-decker uh buses could be driven like that i'm just saying it, it just it doesn't make any sense you know yeah. Um, and the the problem. Is, go ahead. No, I, I'm good. Oh, I was just gonna say the problem with returns is the first movie was scripted and shot like it was a movie from the 30s, mm-hmm. right? Um, just made with modern technology, right? But the same, same um, sensibilities, the same, uh, um, uh, you know, type of type of characters, where you know you have yeah. the dashing guy and the the damsel and all that kind of stuff so it was uh you know and 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 they kind of paid homage to it you know it was it was it was it was uh like i said it it had all the intricacies all the the personality and character of a movie of that age uh but with all the modern technology and a little bit of brendan Fraser uh craziness with it um the the mummy returns it, all all of the new wants that that made the 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 first one like a period movie is gone, you know. Uh, all the all the how do I explain it? The sensibilities of the characters are different. Uh, Rick is kind of the same, um, but well, uh, is different. Yeah. Jonathan, I guess, is a, the biggest change is Evie. Yeah, and with like I said, Rick's character only works if you have that other dynamic that's like those older movies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, where you and we get, a different, we get yeah. a different Evie in this movie. We get a different Evie. It's way now. I, yeah, it's nine years later. You know, and they have mm-hmm. a kid and all this kind of stuff. But uh, and maybe she's done enough. You know, tomb raiding and well, uh, they want her to run the uh, the library in Bainbridge. You know, and uh, yeah, you know, so she's she's known now. You know, yeah, but I mean, she's just like and of course, then we get into the resurrection of uh, uh, Nefertiti, where she's now you know she can fight amazingly but you know and the kid's like you know where'd you learn that mom and she goes i don't know and, and then she does these like little self-defense moves she goes that i learned from your father mm-hmm. so it's like she's got a little bit of confidence being with rick i'm sure rick's taught her how to fight maybe how to shoot and all that kind of stuff but i don't know it's just a uh, i i didn't prefer this evie it was more about <laughs> It was more about her memories of a past life and her fighting than her being smart like she was in the first movie. Yeah. What's wrong with just being that smart one that's not necessarily a fighter? Yeah. So that's that's what, you know, I think the kid was too much. It made everything more tame since we know, you know, we know they're not going to break up the family, right? You know, this is a PG-13 fun movie. They're not going to do that. You know, it maybe should have just been about Rick and, and her... Um, Maybe, but we maybe also find out that that Rick has always been a magi, you know, and which just was kind of like. He had the I mean, tattoo on, under I that mean, leather you know? thing. Like and I meant to look and see if he had that leather wrist wrist I think guard. He I'm pretty when sure he, he got hung oh, in the first oh, movie. Uh because I don't I it feels like something they kinda pulled, like, Oh, well he was wearing this. Let's just say there was a tattoo under it and that's why he I, wears it. It just or again a brand or whatever. It, did it really it didn't really um advance the story either it didn't yeah. it didn't do anything i mean yeah you find out he's a magi and then you know uh what's face ha- ends up having a lot more respect for him because he's saying he's a magi and he's like i'm not a magi i was just born uh, i got this in an orphanage you know so you find out he's not even really a magi technically i mean he he just got that tattooed on his on his but you know we find out that also magis are are warriors for god or something you know and and so i i guess That's how they explained it, but it didn't... The the whole thing with making him a Magi, which I just thought was just pushed. It was just way way too much. It was weird. You're trying to put too much fate and destiny into a character that was just meant to be there, yeah. you know, as as a hero of the age yeah. or whatever. You know, it's just one of these things, you know, we didn't we didn't need all that. No. But you, you know, you, we're there at the finally we're here at the Oh god. Now we got another 10 15 minutes of these pygmies yeah. to deal with at nighttime and then they finally got to run. Okay, finally they're there. And then the 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 one other there's just way too much going on. If they would have just fought Imatep or just the squad Scorpion King, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the jungle sequence was got awfully long and ridiculous. Uh So was Evie dying, Yeah. and almost immediately comes back to life. What was the purpose? Like you that? don't even see her coming back to life. She just shows up behind her yeah, brother you and You See like son. the kids' reaction, and then you're like, okay, well maybe her coming back to life is like Nifertiti finally coming into her. Yeah. But she's still Evie, so it didn't make any sense because she she immediately comes back. If she had died. And Rick, like, fell into the underworld and then, like, found her in the next movie or or find her towards the end of the movie or something. That might have been, like, a cool little thing to do. Uh, You know, I I, I just don't, I don't know. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you a question. I like the Power Rangers flipping too that they did through the, like the uh, whenever uh, Nefertiti and moon would fight. Oh man! Like whatever, what's her name? Uh, uh, Nefertiti got a different weapon, and so Anoxinamun, she up up. Well, moon flipped the size, threw him in the statues, and right in flipped. the groins. Did you notice it right, yeah, in, the groins, right like, in the groins? What was the point of that? But to get to the other wall of of. Yeah, uh, weapons and stuff. Yeah. She does a Power Rangers flips. You know, she does like eighteen flips to get over there and then grab yeah. something. Now, I felt I more, like, more, more like more so like a hard. three ninjas flip. You know, like <laughs> so they were doing funny. like three ninjas. Come here, tum but, tum. Yeah, yeah. And he j- just jumps up against the wall, or she, or Rachel Vice's character jumps up against the wall, like random from standing on 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 regular ground jumps probably like 15 feet into the wall, uh, you know, up to the ceiling to grab a sword or some swords or something. And you're sitting there going, this is ridiculous. Back to my question. What was the most ridiculous thing on this movie besides, and you can't say returns. uh, Yes. uh, And you can't say (laughs) rock rock. CGI form. The most ridiculous. Yes. Uh, let me think. The most ridiculous. Um, I, I, I I hate the jungle scene. Yeah, that that's okay. one of my most hated scenes. Uh, you know, as far as ridiculous stuff goes, her getting possessed by Nefertiti yeah. and fighting yeah. crazy and stuff like that. I'm like, why? now we have Rick and her doing this yeah. you know you yeah. got one that's supposed to be doing the smart stuff one you know if you want her fighting okay well maybe Rick learns I don't know it's 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 one of these you know obviously Rick's in here fighting the Scorpion King and Imhotep at the same time and you're just like and then she's How fighting possible this one anyways but you know hey, whatever. stupid uncle and yeah. the, the kid are off doing their own now let's go save your dad and it's like you know, how much more time? You know, they reminded me of movie. you know the do- the smart dog and the kid. What what is the name of that TV show? It's uh, it's in the same universe. I think as uh, you talking Bullwinkle about Mr. And- Peabody and Sherman? Yes, yes. It's, it's like th- those two could be like Peabody and Sherman. I mean, in a yeah. way, you know. Yeah. You want? We want to hear what I think the most ridiculous thing about this movie is. Is it The Rock's acting? No. Because no. you didn't say anything about The Rock's no. acting. That's all included. The, it was just a terrible anything performance do by The Rock, the Rock in I like, this film. was doing his, his actual, he's not doing Dwayne Johnson. He's doing The Rock. The Rock. That's inside the ring where he looks, he comes out as the scorpion body, looks at Imhotep, looks at Rick, and just kind of, and yeah. lifts, lifts the one eyebrow lifts the one nostril like just like rock used to do in the wrestling ring and you're just like but you also got to oh understand the gosh. fact that, that this is a very um this is one of his first real real films you know the rock This was know, his first he, film that's yeah. what I'm saying and so so you know that's all he has to work off of as and honestly, of being the rock I actually like Scorpion King I don't think I, it was did too. That, I didn't think I it did was too. that bad I, yeah. I I thought obviously it was better than this part of this movie yeah but, um, it, it's kind of a silly movie yeah. because you make him out to be a hero by the end but then you know that eventually he's going to become this bad undead guy anyways um, well you want to hear the most ridiculous thing for mess. me uh, Osiris's staff okay how did that staff not get lost how did that staff not fall out of his hands even when where did it when, come from I know Jonathan had it Jonathan had it, but I don't know how he even He's got it. He's always him. coming up with these. I, I know, <laughs> but it's like enough. the key. It's the key from the first one, but even worse because... You don't know it, that it's there to kill the Scorpion yeah. King until Rick sees the and, pictures. And, and when they're getting wall. attacked at the house and Rick and, and him are rolling out the window, you don't see the staff anywhere in his hands. Yeah. So where the heck does staff come from? I mean, and then not only that... No, he f- had it when he had that girl... Didn't he? Yes, but he left it in the house, and then or he got it knocked away in I the don't house know. or something. He would and, probably miss something. Yeah, and the, and and you're sitting there going like, this does not make any sense. And then you find out later on in the movie, it's like the most important thing of the whole movie yeah. that you have to have this staff. And now everybody to wants kill. the staff. Yeah, and and even even the mummy was like, ah, oh, I don't need the staff, you know. And it gets keep brought up, and you're just like, okay, I. This is, this is, I think it's the most ridiculous thing because how did it, you know, they, they crashed the boat, they crashed the, the everything. And it's like, he did not lose that staff. And they yeah. had that staff the entire time. I did like the end where of Mummy Returns, where, where Evelyn helps Rick up from being pulled down into the underworld. And then Imhotep looks at them and then looks at and the Moon, and he's like reaching out to her. He's like, Hey, you come save me too because you see Evelyn being saved by or uh, Rick being saved by Evelyn, right? She's pulling him up and he's like he reaches out for her and then she, when she goes no and she just takes off, you know you know immediately if she's going to eventually die getting out of that pyramid. Yeah. And yeah. she leaves him there. But you see the hurt in him. I think Arnold uh, all things considered with the mummy returns, I think Arnold Vosler did a, an amazing job in this yeah. portraying that hurt. Like all he's done Throughout these two movies and going back thousands of years. Yeah. And to know that in a, in a situation like this, she would abandon him. Yeah. But it doesn't make any sense again. Yeah. Because she was willing to die in the first one for, and she killed herself. Because she knows that she, she could have been brought that, up She by. knew that he would, he would uh, bring her back and all that. But I, I, think, I think it was a way, it was just a, a crappy, lazy way- to get rid of these characters maybe because i thought it. Was, first of all he looked so hurt and he had the tears in his eyes but he wasn't they weren't like rolling down his cheek or anything and then he just looked at them and kind of smiled and let himself go yeah yeah like he knew he deserved to be here now like okay well i did it for love but now that i know that that love doesn't actually exist yeah there's no reason for me to be here anymore yeah. and he just lets himself go yeah. so that was that was one good part but really the mummy returns I'll watch it just so I can get more of Brendan Fraser as Rick. Yeah. And I, because I will he's too. Such I, a good swashbuckler. Yeah, I will too, but it's just such a lazy movie. I think all together, it's Spot just a la- holes, lazy. Yeah, just, 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 hey, let's and switch you know, the our, tone. our Our villains, you know, Imhotep and Anak Sunamun. Anak Moon. You know, we, we see these characters through both movies and we're like, okay, you know, they're the vi- they're the villains and you know they're this and that but you know they're part of the story they're part of what made the mo- mo- you know mummy 1 so good and then you, to to get an ending like that it was just it was lazy it was a crock of crap a lot of, a lot of weird cuts like whenever the guys like imhotep save me and he goes why you know just it was i know it was trying to show you that imhotep just doesn't care about anybody but but it's 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 weird it's just the weird the way it was done it was overstuffed you had Jonathan you had Rick and 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 uh um, Evelyn and everything and you had the flashbacks okay she used to be Nefertiti we're bringing back uh, yeah. uh moon and Imhotep we're bringing in the Scorpion King we got to learn his history now there's a staff that we got to get you know some <laughs> random stuff they just so happen to hold on to they're also digging up Imhotep who had gotten, and yeah. now Moon is here but as a reincarnated person that she's got to be attached to uh, she's got to re uh, remember those memories so uh, and yeah. she's got to do that little that little ceremony with with him but then they also got to go find uh, they he's got the scorpion bracelet on the kid does and they gotta go find the place where the scorpion king is so that um the the Imhotep can control Anubis's army but before they do that they gotta skip around to all these different places Which doesn't make any sense and then the heroes have to go and find this dude with the dirigible the the air balloon thing and they get in that and and then the pygmies come and and you have and you have just all the people I, it's just so there's so much to it and it's like It's not a simple story anymore. No, and, 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 but the bracelet's like, it's like, why did, you know, the creator of the bracelet, let's, and the Magi. Yeah, let's, his name was still back. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's let them just, you know, randomly, let's go to a bunch of different places until we take them to the, the last place. It's like, whoever created that bracelet wouldn't do something stupid like that. You know, it was like, you have like, but, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. The one thing this movie did right is the scenery, you know, and, and yeah, seeing scenery, England and yeah. seeing Egypt and things like that. It's just beautiful, you know. And, again, we say this all the time. It's just that, you know, the scenery is a character in this film, which is very, very prevalent in this movie. There's, like, five things going on in the finale. Yeah. You know, there's the dude trying to get the hot air balloon working again. Mm-hmm. There's um, an the moon versus... Um, Evie, and that's uh, yeah, that's only after she's brought back to life. There's Rick against the the, Scorpion uh, King King and Imhotep. There's um, Imhotep against the Scorpion King and Rick. What the nephew and the the uncle are doing? Yeah, Jonathan and everything. They're trying to figure out. Oh, it's a bird. It's a stork, just like from the first movie. And the Magi. And the, the Magi are fighting Anubis's army out in the desert, and if you want to say the you know the pygmy the pygmy stuff and and that whole crew that's still trying to get through the forest because remember I think I'd be more through. scared of the pygmies than the uh, the Velociraptors. What do you think? <laughs> uh, no, I'll take those over the Velociraptors because at least the pygmies are small. You feel like you could take them on. Not do a very good job of it. (laughs) No, but I mean, at least you'd feel better about it. But I I guess I don't know. There's just way too much going on in this, and we've already spent I feel like already too much time. Um, If you guys want to watch this, uh, where did you watch it? On Amazon, Um, I watched it on Voodoo. Okay, I watch on Amazon. Uh, I know it was on Netflix a bit ago. I don't know if it is now. I bought I bought it the the series, the, all three of them for oh, okay. Voodoo. So. See, I have the Mummy and the Mummy Returns. Uh, it's on uh, HBO. If you have that, I have I have HBO through Amazon, so I was watching off of there. Uh, and Mummy Returns is on HBO Max, so you can watch that there. But um, we recommend the Mummy, nineteen ninety nine. We do not recommend the Mummy Returns. Um, get, watch it if you want you know, to see a uh, story continue it's not a very good one but uh, it's not terrible I still prefer Mummy Returns over Tom Cruise's well, in, the in all these movies, yeah, in, well, I can't remember what no, when it came I out. Did but not like that movie. At all. It was so boring. Like the one good sequence was the plane crash. The plane, that's it, and that's what they showed in the yeah. trailer. So I mean, mm-hmm. all you have to do is go watch the trailer, and you're. It gonna, could have been you, such a better you movie. You saw the better part mm-hmm. of it, but yeah, but well, you know, John Hanna and uh, and Brendan Fraser were the only ones that were in all three movies. I didn't know that because yeah. I haven't seen part three. Yeah, but the brother, the brother is actually still in that Because movie. like I said, the movies do not work. Rick does not work if you do not have Rachel yep. Weiss. yep. But anyways, we recommend The Mummy, 1999 version. I would say, you know, the the original Mummy, I mean, that's one of those classic, classic movies, 1932 Boris Karloff. It's not exciting. It's not a, a adventure fantasy action type of movie. It's more of a old-school horror, which nowadays is not that scary to many people. But mm-hmm. anyways, uh, we suggest watching the, the first Mummy, not The Mummy Returns, uh, but watch it for a full experience together. Um, I just think that The Mummy was such a great uh, a great movie that was definitely needed in the late 90s because if you look at it all the superheroes the the action heroes that came after were were a lot like rick because you have like this goofable uh, goofy but lovable type of guy who is a badass but he can kind of be goofy and silly sometimes you know you got that with like mainly like a lot of the marvel you know the superhero movies this was like the last real action hero that didn't have – that wasn't like part of a superhero universe. Because yeah. anyway, after this, we had the X-Men and Spider-Man. And, you know, yeah. it just continued with people with superpowers, mm-hmm. strong with powers, whatever. You know, so I'm tired. <laughs> I didn't get any sleep. But uh, anyways, it, it's a really good movie. It's a movie that – it kind of gives you a sense of how movies were back in the 30s. But it's ba- – you know, it has today's technology – some of today's actors and all that please watch it if you get a chance it's a really good movie if you like just fun like india indiana jones national treasure those types of where you just have fun you don't have to get into to think too much or whatever definitely give this do you you agree do you enjoy this movie again it was as good as it was the first time you watched it it's good every single time it's all good it's all good like stop asking me questions man it's all good yep let's wrap this up well not necessarily (laughs) hey and just we want to let our audience know that we are taking donations of um dictionaries and thesauruses for matt because um he has a problem with this episode with issues of inserting words properly what was it that you were having a problem saying (laughs) It was two different episodes. It well, was the no, same I, word. if we donate them to Matt, then I'll use them too. Okay? What, 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 what that, was the word? It was something you, you had, and, and, and you tried to say it again, and you messed. <laughs> I know, it up. I know. And I was like, "Man, you have a real tough time saying that word. I can't remember what it was." Okay, though. so so let me rephrase this. We both need donations of the sources and dictionaries, oh, man, please. I'm just tired, <laughs> unusually. unusually, unusually. Is that right? Unusually. Let me let me check my source. Unusual. Maybe there's another word. believe. I don't it know. Whatever, man. You can find us on all our social media, The Post Credit Podcast. We're on Twitter as The Post Credit. Uh, our email address is ThePostCreditPodcast at gmail.com. I can't talk the rest of this episode. <laughs> man, shut your face. Uh, our website is www.ThePostCreditPodcast.com. Um, if you guys want to get a hold of us, please let us know. Um, if you watched this movie, if you enjoyed this movie, if you have any intentions on watching it, um, we got one episode left which is our season finale um, I thought about doing a second one talk to you about it but uh, pretty sure that we're just going to do our one season finale next week I'm pretty excited for it it was my favorite movie as a child at least until I was in my 20s um, it's a stupid stupid action movie but I love it it's amazing and I can't wait to talk about it but um, Uh, But, yeah, if you guys want to get a hold of us, uh, we're on uh, all uh, social media, our email, or our website. And we're also on YouTube. Uh, We appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you next time. And throw me a bone.